welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Schell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. In dealing with my own depression, that I had it from the time I was in high school, on and off until I was 43. So I, I lived with it for a long time, and in those years I had to learn to cope. One of the things that's just come to my mind as I reflected for this, when I talk to a lot of you at the altar, you're coming up to me and you're saying, I've been to the doctor and he's given me uh, drugs. Right now, one of the, the main approach, it appears to me, when anyone is depressed is to put you on some kind of tranquilizer. By the way, in reading the Wall Street Journal, there's a real reason for that. No, it's not reading the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal has been talking about some editorials on this, that the insurance companies do not like paying the bill for ongoing counseling therapy. It's quite expensive. And so they are now insisting that drugs be used instead because it is much cheaper for them to treat people with mental difficulties through drug therapy than it is to pay the bill to have you sit down and try to negotiate the, the reasons for your troubles with a counselor. Do you see that? It's a quite really a simple economic thing. I'm not saying there's no place for that drugs and I think there is and I gotta be careful here. I think that when, if you are suicidal I think if you are doing terrible damage to your family and home, you probably need some help. And I, I think it's fine, and I think there can be places where that kind of thing should be used. But let me just say that apparently, from what I'm hearing, the medical world is simply the first thing they do is grab for a, a bottle of something and hand it to you. And that is not a solution. Any more than an aspirin is a solution to your headaches. It's a, it's a way of masking the symptoms. Alcohol does that. Doesn't it? I think that's one of the major reasons people are alcoholic. Is they are medicating themselves. The soul hurts. They're miserable inside. When they're, when they're sober, they can hardly live with themselves. They keep themselves buzzed so they can live with themselves. Drug use, same thing. And so what we have is a prescription form of, of medicating the pain. Now that can be acceptable when you're in crisis, when you're dangerous, when you're self-destructive. But that's no way to live. And one of the things that bothers me is they're telling people, you're simply chemically built like this. You are, you, your body chemistry is out of whack, and we're giving you a chemical that sort of puts it in line, which isn't exactly, I don't think, what's happening. Tranquilizers don't put your chemistry in line. They, they just tune you down. There is no medical treatment I'm aware of 
to adjust your body chemistry in such a fashion, unless you're dealing with something like lithium or, or zinc or some of those kinds of things that are, are through a blood test will find that you're out of balance. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that I think the current trend is a fairly dangerous one and we're doing that with our children. Have you read the articles and seen the things on this? They're doing this by the scores now. Children who are having difficulties are showing up once or twice at the nurse's office during a school day and taking a drug. Well, where are we going with this? I mean, what is our solution? Just get the whole society buzzed and keep them that way? It's a dangerous thing. There are ways that the Lord can help you cope with your pain that are not addictive. At least there were for me. And so I want to just review a few of these tonight. And say, you see, remember I've said to you that there are, you have three dimensions to your, to your nature. You are body. You have a physical bag of electrochemicals, processes, that you live in. The body isn't you, but it's part of your makeup, and it will always be. You'll have a body in eternity, you know that. Don't go through that. You have a spirit. The spirit is the part of you that I'm talking to right now, that is truly breathed of God and, and, and has been now born again by the Holy Spirit, joined with the Holy Spirit, and will go on into eternity. If you bang me over the head hard enough with a pan, I will go into eternity. And I will, my personality, me, Steve, will go. I am not my body. My body will drop to the floor, but the real person I am will not cease to exist at all, but will step across into the presence of the Lord Jesus. Right? That's my spirit. That's me. I don't have it in my pocket. I don't have a spirit somewhere here. I am, no really, people talk about that. You know, we have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. And I always go, well, what's your spirit? Because I kind of like playing with them at their head. And I, because I know where they're going. And we almost think like we have like a shadow. You know, like my spirit. Oh, it's around here somewhere. Oh, there it is. You know, no, no. You don't have one, you are one. So you have a body, bag of electrochemical processes. You've got a spirit, that's the eternal part of you. And when you're dealing with depression, there is a demonic element that will play in this. Remember, just like a candle burning, and the enemy comes along and pours gas on it, and it flares up. That's, I think, when you're really dealing with real depression, you have a demonic element. Just like when you're dealing with real alcoholism, you have, you have a demonic element. You have drug addiction, you have a demonic element. And violent temper, you have a demonic element. Any of these things, there is a demonic element that is imposed upon a brokenness. But then there's the soul. And the soul is the human part of us that is not yet redeemed, or maybe the soul never will be. In Hebrew, the word soul, basar, it means the needy part of me. It's the mortal part of my being. It's the part of my personality that doesn't go on into eternity. And so I have misinformation and confusion and fear and all sorts of stuff in my soul. The soul is the part that takes the longest to heal. And that's where the depression is often based. There's wounds to our soul. 
And so I talked to you about dealing with these expectations and how when the Lord began to heal that in me, then that was the point where I was really released from depression. But how long did that take? I had somebody come and say, I'm so frustrated. I, I don't know what's the matter with me that I'm taking so long to get healed. And I said, wait a minute. I said, I started when I was 12 and I was, I was uh, healed when I was 43. Why don't we do a little math? And they went, to carry the one. You know. They did that kind of thing. And, and I said, I'll bet you that's longer than you are old. Well, it is. He said, yes. And so I said, relax. <laughs> Our souls don't heal that fast. What's holding it up? It isn't God. I don't think it's us. But it just depends on how strong is your will, how strong is the pride, how stubborn, how misinformed, how broken are you, how much bad junk got put in you. That isn't God's fault. But he patiently waits and works with us until we come to a moment where we can release the brokenness. I talked to somebody the other day and they, they said, well, how long does this take? I said, how do you get this to do happen? I said, you really can't. God has to do it. While your soul is healing from what kind of things? From stuff like these expectations and the, 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 the driven demands that we have on ourselves. Spir uh, unforgiveness. One issue I haven't talked to you about yet and I may uh, soul ties. While that's getting healed, there's the demonic that can turn light on this mess, and there's the physical. You have to buy time. You have to be able to get some comfort, which is not a fundamental healing. Am I making any sense? There'll come a moment when you're delivered, when depression isn't an issue anymore. I mean, you can still get blue, you can still get grumpy. But you aren't depressed. There is a moment where this thing snaps. But between now and then, what are you going to do when the depression hits? How are you going to handle it? How do you get relief? What I'm saying is that apparently the way that the medical world is saying, treating us now is primarily to hand us tranquilizers. To keep us just a little spacey. And I think if you look at that on a long-term basis, that is a dangerous thing to do. It has made you a legal drug addict. Let me just list some of the ways I learned to cope with my immediate pain. When the depression hit, what did I do? How was I able to do something so that I didn't have to turn to alcohol, drug use, and that kind of thing? What did the Lord help me with? Worship is one. Do you, I find great relief in worship. Do you? And I, but when I'm really depressed, I need help. I need you. This isn't something I can very well do at home by myself. I, I just, I sit and mutter and feel sorry for myself. But when I'm with you worshiping and you press up and you start worshiping and breaking through, something drags me along. Even when I'm leading. Even when I'm leading, I'm often bringing myself into the Spirit right along with you. 
That's one of the things I like about leading is I'm on the, I'm the, I'm, I've got the gun at my head, I've got to worship. And so it sobers me up and makes me press through. That's one of the reasons every so often when I'm leading you, I'll say, now come on, you, gotta, you, know, you can either sit there and sing the songs or just read what's up there or you can press in. And what I'm doing, I'm particularly speaking to the depressives or I suppose the worldlings. People are just, you know, but, but I, you know, I don't know if I have any hope for them. I'm particularly going after the ones that are sitting there and are, are just struggling and I'm saying... With an act of your will, push in to the Lord. Come on, rise up. Don't sit there. Don't sit and be passive. Press in. Because if I can get you to take that step, the Lord will meet you more than halfway. But if I sit and just hold on to myself, I don't get the comfort. So I, I love lead. One of the reasons I, still, I always want to lead worship is because it makes me push in. I have to push in if I'm going to authentically lead you, and therefore I get blessed. So you want to be in the middle of that. Worship is a critical thing for you. Please learn to worship. Learn to do it. Learn to do it. I told you where I learned years ago, where I really saw the thing happen. I think was in a, we went to, my mother would take me to this Pentecostal thing in, in Los Angeles, and the pastor who well, later I found out owned the building and everything. It was kind of corrupt. But anyhow, <laughs> it was. We, we got taken in on this. But the pastor would sit there and have us worship and he'd eyeball everybody. You notice, I closed my eyes. I'm not tracking you. I'm not, you know, going, there, how are we doing here? But he would. He'd just eagle eye everybody. <laughs> and here I am, a, you know, a high school kid. I'm not going to worship, doggone it, I don't even want to be here. I got dragged. And then he'd say, come on, raise your hands. And then he'd look at me. <laughs> I said, raise them. <laughs> okay. Uh, sing, you know. And, and, and he, just, he just wouldn't tolerate anybody not getting with it. And it made me mad. I thought, this brute, what does he have? How dare he tell me to do this? But he was pretty intimidating, and so I would. And the funny thing was, even with the worst motives in the world, when I did, I felt better. I'd get comforted. And I'm thinking, because huh. I just did it because he forced me to. And I'd put my hands in the air and he'd sing. Uh, that kind of thing. I'm not kidding. He made me mad. But, but I would find myself lifted. And I'd find my, myself peaceful and comforted from the time I go out. Oh, this was very nice. But I got pushed into it. And so I learned that you can, what does David say, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's his spirit speaking to the soul part of his being. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not any of his benefits. And then he lists them. And he's pressing himself through that point. So one of the things you have to learn to use, and I, I think many of you are, I, I say use it, but I, I guess it's right. I, God has supplied medication for you. There are ways that he has supplied that are not addictive, that are not damaging to your personality, but are healing. And you need medicine. You do need medicine. 
while the soul is yet being healed, you need regular medicating. Because you cannot, let me tell you something, you cannot live with psychological pain any more than you can live with, with physical pain. In fact, I think less so. It's just like when you have a person in a full depression or struggling with it, you might as well gash their leg open and say, now ignore it. You cannot ignore it. It hurts so bad. If you've had real depression, you'd rather be physically injured than deal with depression. It's like someone just into the main, into your very heart and mind, just stabbing you. It's a terrible thing. So it's not the blues. It's something else. It has to be comforted. So face up to that. Face up to the fact that between point A and point B, between the moment where you are now and when you are finally healed in your soul to the point that this kind of reaction is gone, you have got to have medicating. God has supplied some medications that are not going to leave you drooling on yourself. And to sit there and... There are times, I'll, I'll just have to qualify this because I'm concerned about it. If you are self-destructive, you are suicidal, you are in those kind of things, you're damaging your family, you are dangerous, you need medication. I have no argument with that at all. But as an ongoing, year after year, way of treating your depression, I think it's a mistake. Because it, there is no solution to that. It's like saying every time I get a headache, I just take more aspirin. And that's, we need to find out why you have a headache, not just mask the symptoms. You know the phrase, mask the symptoms? Worship is one. I would suggest worshiping twice a week. You know, I mean, with, with a gathered church. That's why I think Wednesday night is a valuable thing. Wednesday night and the weekend, and I would just, I'd make a point of it. Um, sit up front. If you're having a hard time getting yourself... I used to sit and I had one guy for church history. It was so boring. I could hardly stand it. So I sat in the front row. I had to listen. He's looking right at me. And so sometimes if you're in a bad shape, come up here. Just sit down. And, and just, you know, and I'll glare at you. And I'll say, raise your hands. <laughs> Sing. <laughs> And you'll feel better. <laughs> or I'll know why not. No, you actually will. I will not glare at you. I have another... The Lord taught me to watch my nutrition and my sleep. Um, I think that we react physically different ways. And as I've said this before, one of them, some of us react and tend toward depression. I think that's why they say that you're chemically wired that way. I do think there is a truth to that. Some of us are chemically designed or built in our bodies so that when we hit certain kinds of stress, our reaction is depression. Other people get other things. They get ulcers. They get headaches. They get, they get mean. We get, some of us, depressed when we're under that kind of nature. But I found that, that's, that your body will react... And so the Lord taught me to do a number of things. One is to, to quit masking my symptoms with caffeine, sugar, or pain relievers. 
some of you guys are running way out on the edge and you know it and you're, you're, you're keeping yourself going with caffeine and then when you get headaches you take pain relievers and when you feel a little low you take sugar and you're just you're just you're just really running the engine at top speed now that at some point that's got to quit and I bet the Holy Spirit's beginning to talk to you about because you're masking your symptoms you've got to find a level of sleep and of nutrition where you can actually feel good when you're not on something you're not caffeinated you're not uh, on a sugar high you are not uh, full of aspirin so that you don't feel the throbbing headache I mean, those can come on the occasional things but you can't make a lifestyle on that and some of us are and it's just burning our bodies out and it really needs to stop it's a very dangerous thing it's where heart attacks all sorts of things is it's you're, you're stepping the engine down real hard on the car just revving it revving it revving it and it's burning and it's damaging you so the Lord told me to I was not to use those things and I and I backed away from them but he taught me to use vitamins for one um, I found that vitamin B uh, it's a, it's, the body burns it when you're under stress. It's a water-soluble vitamin. There's two kinds of vitamins, water-soluble and oil, as far as I understand it. Oil, you can get too much of. Water-soluble, water it just comes out uh, naturally. And uh, so I was found that I could take this stuff. I started with this awful-tasting stuff called Dr. Don's Box Yeast 500. <laughs> Does that sound great? It's a nutritive yeast. It's about the worst thing I've ever had in my mouth but it for some reason began to lift the depression lift the that weary exhausted feeling and give me uh, strength and I'd recommend it to some I recommended some other people you know big circles under their eyes going through anxiety attacks and all and, and it helped them considerably it isn't the whole solution but you can begin to take good nutrition like vitamin B some of these kinds of supplements and other things that, that help your body cope with the stress that you're under. Remember, we can't stop stress. We have to deal with our response to it. Because life will bring you stress. So it's, it's not stopping stress. You, I mean, you, you know, you can't go out somewhere and live in the woods. There'll be stress there. It'll just be a bear, you know. <laughs> so there's no getting away from stress. Uh, vitamins eating lower fat foods simple things like that taking good care and then as I said regular exercise beginning to nurture your body and give it strength and health now many of us say I don't have time for this actually you do if you think about it because depression takes more time than any amount of exercise you could do you can't fool me I know what happens you get exhausted you get depressed and you don't do anything but you sit and worry about what you're not doing <laughs> when you're in a good depressed state you are very non-productive and you know it so you might as well take the time and get some exercise you might as well take the time and get yourself the proper amount of sleep and care for your body that way 
Because in the long run, you will be much more productive than driving the car full speed and then coming to a, a screeching halt and doing nothing for about three days and then trying to get on with it. So I learned also to take naps. Now, brief naps. <laughs> because some depressives, that's all they do is sleep. So no, you can't escape life by sleeping it away. But you can, I found, and this is one I still will use when I find that energy drop, I've learned to take about 10 minute naps. 10, 15 minutes. If you take much longer, you, you, you're into another state altogether. <laughs> you know who used to do this? Cory Ten Boom. You know who she was with a woman with the, uh, the Dutch, uh, from Ten Boom, I need to say, because I have some people who know Dutch here. She would take 10 minute naps. You get her in the, in the car. My mom had the pleasure of driving her around several days. And she, you get her in the car, and she's, she's just gone for about 10 minutes, and she's fine. And she, she would just rejuvenate her strength by just, just, she just could check out almost anywhere. Just sit her down, she's gone, you know, for about, about 10 minutes, and then she's right back. And so she could go on just this incredible pace, but she was resting herself at moments. So part of what you're feeling in your depression is an energy drop. It is. It's physical. Only for you, you're, when you drop an energy, it also drops your mood. And you feel discouraged and angry or frustrated with yourself because you're probably a perfectionist who's got 101 things to do. So I found that vitamin B and taking 10-minute naps, just, just go and, and doze. And for some reason, the things I was so worried and so focused on release. How many of you can do that? I mean, some of you say, I can't take naps. And I, I mean, I, well, and maybe, maybe you're not depressed either. But, but how many think you could take, you, you know what it is to take a 10-minute nap? Yeah. It, it really is. See, the thing about it is, there I am getting really depressed. I'm really getting upset. Just go, lie down. And here's another thought. For heaven's sakes, don't make any decisions. I had to come to, the, to face up with the, the fact that when I was depressed, I was mildly crazy. <laughs> I really mean that. When you're depressed, you're a little crazy. And you've got to kind of live with that. Your world is upside down. A depressed mentality sees all the negatives. It focuses on the negatives. It sees what's wrong and decides that, and it's just like the whole reality is tipped upside down. You focused on what's wrong, you blow it out of proportion, it becomes your reality. You don't think, you don't realize, oh I'm just blowing this out of proportion. As far as you're concerned, you're a realist. And everybody else has got a rosy picture, but you know how it really is. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you are you often 180 degrees wrong. Your thinking processes are not accurate. You do focus on the negative. And you blow it out of proportion. And that's where, that's where you have to commit 
to the fact you will not make a decision in that condition. Just realize, when I'm depressed, I must not make a decision. Those are the moments when we get in so much trouble. We write the letters, you know, and tell somebody off. We quit our job. We talk about divorce. We, we do all sorts of really horrible things. We, that is when we are so dangerous. And that's why, in those moments, the devil is waiting. He is lurking and waiting. And that's, I think, in particular... What he does, he comes in there and he begins to inflame it. Because he doesn't, he doesn't just want you to feel bad, he wants you to blow it. And so he begins to say, you know what's wrong here? It's your spouse. you got to get a new one. You know, or you need a new job. This is not going anywhere. You'll be 95 and still doing this job. You know, he'll, just, he'll begin to just tell you this stuff and you just go, yeah, you're right. You and I are the only ones that know this, but... And you'll do something. So simply commit to yourself. And if possible, don't say it. Don't say what you're thinking. Don't say, I mean, to, I mean you, can, you, can, you can share your pain. But don't say how you feel to other people because you're constantly saying dumb stuff that you then have to clean up. I hope I'm not the only depressive in this room. Because if I am... You're going, he is nuts. <laughs> Don't say it. Keep your mouth shut as much as possible. You save yourself an enormous amount of trouble. <laughs> Don't quit. Don't leave. Don't shoot. Don't do... <laughs> Don't do anything. Do what then? Go take vitamin B and lie down. Really? That's, that's what I do. Take vitamin B and lie down and shut up. Just. And when it's real bad, for, uh, you know, or, or on a regular basis when you need it, have someone lay hands on you and pray for you. My wife would be very kind to do this. And uh, often I just say, please, pray for me. And she'd come in and she'd go in tongues. Now, I'll tell you, how, what, what, how, how often can you pray for that and what can you say? So she just put a hand on me and pray in tongues. And that's where I learned this, the reality that I, this had to be demonic. Because I'd find that, that that would lift instantly, often. And I thought, man, if it lifts that fast, this can't be physical, this can't be any, this has got to be demon. It's got to be demon to go that fast. Because it'd be there one second. And when it lifts... I mean, it doesn't sort of you feel better over the next few hours. It's there one second, and the next second's like, where am I? Who am I? Who are you? I mean, it's just, like, it's just like you walk through a wall. It was there, and then it is all gone. It's the strangest thing. And, but, so what have I said? If you're dealing with it, between the time where you are now, and the time when God is able to heal your soul and deliver you from such the things that the, the, the flaming darts and the arrows that the enemy has put into your heart, your heart. Between now and then, you do need medicating. But there are ways that are not addictive. 
There are ways of caring for your body and your, and your, and your pain that are not alcohol or drugs that will tie you into some slavery of its own. If you are in serious condition and are dangerous, yes, go ahead and for you need a season when you take those things. But somewhere we've got to come off of them. Because God wants to heal you so you can live real life. You, I do not think that we are so, that we cannot be healed. I think the idea that it, well, you have just a chemical condition and you will always be like this, I don't think so. I think we have a chemical condition which can, God can heal. And maybe it's a physical healing then. But I don't believe this is any way to live. And I believe the Lord has healing for us. So, taking naps, having people lay hands on you. I have some people that come here all the time. And when I have depressed people, I ask you, I usually tell you, would you please just come back as often as you need it? Now, you, if you're a good depressive, you won't, because you think I'm looking down on you when you do. I know how you think. You don't, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed to have to come so often. But see, I understand. And I think all of us in the body of Christ should understand. We just ought to understand that. We ought to help one another and, and, and not, not give one another a kick in the pants and say, come on, brighten up, it's a pretty day. <laughs> just put hand. you don't even have to say anything, just say, let's pray for you. Put hands on them and pray for them. And, and comfort them. So laying on of hands, regular worship, taking a nap, vitamin B, proper sleep, Avoiding masking symptoms with even legal drugs like caffeine and sugar and, and pain relievers where you're constantly covering up this thing and driving on hard. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.